Yes, folks, it's Thursday. That was an easy entry for once. 2 p.m. Pacific, I'm Fred McMurray, which means this has to be... Hey, welcome to Pillars of Franchising and happy Thursday Eve. Oh no, it's Friday Eve. How do we month up every time? <laughs> it's been a heck of a week, but it is your favorite day. And we are switched up on the screen. I was confused for a second there. I was on the right one the last few times. I know. I think I like the dark one better. Isn't black more slimming? Well, that's what they say. We'll see. Do I look better? Yeah. You do. You do. Hey, do. Um, so, you know, I think I'm going to blame all this chaos that we've had in the last uh, 36 or 45 seconds on jet lag. Yeah, that's a good excuse. Yeah. I drove nine hours yesterday, but that, that is what we want to talk about on our Word on the Street. But before we get to that, we do want to say we have a great show today. We are continuing our series on generational franchising, building generational wealth, next-gen franchising. Oh, we switched this back. <laughs> you yeah. never know what Fred's going to do. At any rate, we've got a, a couple of great segments this, this week. We've got AJ Titus coming in, who we just saw. Um, and we're going to tell you all about our visit with him. And then we've got a father-daughter-in-law duo from Dale Carnegie that um, Karen Kinsey Sword is going to introduce us to. So it's going to be a great jam-packed show. Yeah, I can't wait. This is always like that time of the year where you start thinking about all your goals and what you're going to do next year. And if people start to consider, do I really want to stay in like working for corporate America or working for the proverbial man next year? Um, these are some of the things that help drive decisions to go into business for yourself, right? Thinking about the next 10, 15 years, where do you want to go? What do you want to set up for your family? So great topic. But we were down in uh, West Palm Beach, one of my favorite places as of late. Um, mm -hmm. Just a beautiful city. And we had the opportunity to meet some phenomenal people who are just getting started in the franchise business and some great models that I mean, really, I think every single model that was um, shown to us was one that was very interesting, um, built with people who have some amazing passion, great vision, and really the value to give back to their community and to the people who invest in their brands. Wouldn't you agree? I do agree. And I think that was one of the most um gratifying things because people in franchising do tend to have that drive to give back. I think it's a common trait, but also the, the four contestants, and by the way, we'll give you a little plug. You were one of the judges on the panel, um, but the four contestants all had really unique and innovative models that aren't the common franchise model. Um, and so that made it really interesting to try for the, from my perspective, watching the panel, trying to, unfold how they could make it work work better do they sit in franchising do they not you know yeah. and in, in most cases i think everyone felt like they did but it was it sometimes it took a minute to wrap the brain around some of the things they were doing because they were kind of a little bit out of the box especially a couple of them yeah and, and just a reminder we're, we're um kind of alluding to as we brought 
you last week, and I think we alluded the week before that, is the franchise hot seat, which will be um, rolling out again very soon. And uh, Dr. John Hayes from the Titus Center of Franchising, an amazing group of people that they have down there. And so um, I want to talk just briefly about each of the four brands that we got to meet and just kind of give you a highlight. We are going to do some one-on-ones and introduce you to each brand individually here very soon. But just to highlight, so you have an idea for those of you who are thinking out there about, huh, I really wonder what I want to get into. Mm -hmm. um, all four of these, I think, are great opportunities for people who are looking at getting into, especially an emerging brand, um, where you have a little bit uh, of say, and you can be one of like the founding people of where and what the direction looks like in these franchise systems. So um, you want to start with the first one? Yeah. The first one was a really unique guy, um, smart as a whip, but it was about uh, real estate investment and uh, bringing on investors. His model was was unique. It's not necessarily for the uh, everyday business owner. You've got to have a little acumen um, in, the, in the areas that he was going to work in. And um, I think he came out of it learning how to better tell his story. Yeah, um, which I think was one of the more important takeaways he's going to get because he was hesitant to do that. And I think it validated him in giving him the confidence to tell because it's a pretty personal story, which I think we can share for when he comes on, save for when yeah. he comes on. But um, sometimes people have trouble articulating something that personal as a part of their brand story, but his was integral to why he was doing what he was doing and the way that he was doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Commercial Investment Group, CIG, was the name of that company. And yeah. the second one up, um, you know, I'm a dog mom. And what I found was that everyone on stage, except for <clears throat> one, Patrick McGee. Who he, is now banished. Oh, he's <laughs> banished. You're not dead to me yet, Patrick, but I was so disappointed. At least he's got um, a cat, you know, that might have saved him a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his cat is a rag doll, so I kind of had to go easy on him. But, um. So we were all dog people, and our second model up was Salty Dog Pet Salon. Super cool concept. Can't wait to have him on the show. Um, you know, obviously recognizing an, a um, gap in the pet industry where people are waiting far too long to get in to see the groomer and far too many gaps in terms of how many people are out there doing grooming. So very exciting to hear more about his model. Um, and then third up we had. Was third up Prevere? Was that third? I can't remember. Yeah. Yep. So Prevere is a, is a group that does a lot of outsourcing um, for running your business. They can help you with HR people. They can help you with a bookkeeper, accountancy, all different kinds of aspects of your business um, yep. without you necessarily having to be the expert in that business. So they do a lot of cross-marketing between their um, franchisees. If one's an expert in one area and one's an expert in the other, they can help each other out. So it's kind of an interesting networked collaborative um, mindset to get into that franchise. Um, and I think he walked away with some great tips as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and the last one, last and certainly not least, um, again, an amazing story I can't wait to share with all of you. But, you know, one thing that I think has become – um, abundantly clear to everyone, especially, um, geez, I want to say especially these days, but really it's been a continual issue as you drive down the streets and you see homeless people um, begging for money is the need for um, feeding the hungry 
and the food insecurity that we have here in our own country. Mm -hmm. And Meals of Hope is uh, the fourth model that we looked at. And uh, what a great franchise opportunity for people who want to make money, sure, but that's not necessarily their why. Their why is to give back to the community and really feel like they're part of the fabric of the community that they live in. And there is obviously a great way to make money with it, um, but that's not, they don't just sell franchises. They award franchises based on where your heart is, not where your wallet is. And so, again, we'll have all of these folks on, um, but these are some great models. It was a pleasure to meet all of these creative, innovative thinkers who have brought their, um, their dreams to market, and they're ready to start having people join in uh, making their visions a reality. So it was a really great couple of days down there. So thank it you. It really was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was such a busy time, and we are honored, as always, to be on the, the advisory board for the Titus Center for Franchising and to now be involved with the franchise hot seat. We've got a lot that's going on between our two organizations, and we can't wait to keep you informed on that. In the meantime, we want you to stay tuned to Pillars of Franchising because we are going to have all of these people coming on the show and you can learn more about their models. <laughs> now you're sideways, but I'm going to continue on with my shtick, which is if you would like to call into the show and ask questions of our amazing panelists today, you may do that at 323-580-5755. Um, you can also hop on our website and talk to us in the chat. There we go. I'm not so dizzy. She's right side up. How are you, AJ Titus? I'm doing well. How are you all doing? Awesome. We were so excited to be able to see uh, your dad, Ray Titus, from United Franchise Group, and you and your two brothers this week. Yes. It was a lot of fun. It was. It was very nice. We wrapped up the franchise hot seat, of which I got to sit next to your dad, and we all got to share our thoughts about um, those emerging brands. And then on came the entire Titus <laughs> male part of the family, and it was really amazing. Uh, you know, Elizabeth and I and you were just talking about how this, this month is all about second generation and building generational wealth. And I thought, wow, to be a dad have three boys and all three boys are kind of following in his footsteps. Tell me, how old were you? How did you get into this? Because you were the first one, right? I am. I'm the oldest. So I, I joke with my brothers is my youngest brother got all the height. I got all the smarts and I don't know what Austin got. So that's the whole, <laughs> that's the inside joke. But no, it's, it's funny. So I, I don't know if it's a you know, the reverse psychology thing, but my dad never pushed us to be in the business. He never said, you know, you all are going to take over for me or you all are going to be in the business. He always took the approach of come in and let me teach you. And if it's something that you're passionate about and something that you love, then continue to do it. If it's not, go do something that you love to do. Don't waste your life. You know, this is my dream. It's not your dream. But right. if it is your dream and we share the same dream, that's awesome. And, of course, he wanted that. So, sure. you know, I don't know if that was his plan the whole time, but we just all three of us ended up in the business and enjoy what we do. Now, he started um, Signorama, right? That was his kind of first big brand, correct? Yeah. So my, my grandfather, Roy Titus, he started Minuteman Press. 
in the 70s. And my dad worked with him and worked and grew that business with him. And then my dad saw the sign and graphics industry and said, you know, this is a business. This is something we can grow. And so he founded Signorama and continued to grow that and it continued to grow to what it is today and decided, hey, I want to live in Florida. He had gone to college in Florida and so moved the company to Florida. So that's how, you know, I, myself and my brothers all became Floridians and the company ended up moving down here. Awesome. So AJ, when did you know it was your dream? Well, so I worked actually with our franchise owners in West Palm Beach. I did outside sales and marketing, selling signs. This was before and during college. Like this is when I was, was younger. And, you know, my dad taught me how to sell signs. He drove me to a shopping center. He dropped me off. He said, go sell signs. And he drove away. That's how he <laughs> taught me. Very extensive training program. And so um, I, I actually got to learn the business and was in the sign and graphics business and working with our franchise owners. And it's something that always stuck with me and I really enjoyed doing. And so when I graduated college, I came back and worked for United Franchise Group and worked in accurate franchising. And I loved it. And it was great. And we still do great with accurate franchising, but it wasn't what my passion was. And so I really jumped at being in Signorama and worked my way up through that brand, being in support, being in development, being our executive vice president, and now president for about six years. So it's been it's been a ride, but it's been a lot of fun. So it, it, to answer your question directly, it wasn't something that I jumped in and said, oh, I love this, but I learned to love it over the years and really got passionate about it. Now, did you go to school for business when you, when you went to college or what, what was your original dream? I mean, growing yeah. up, some people want to be an athlete, some people want to be a businessman, some people want to be a lawyer. So, well, in high school, I was uh, actually in musical theater and I played basketball. So okay. I wasn't going to be a basketball player. I'm five foot ten. So that, <laughs> that's not happening. And so from there, I wasn't going to be on Broadway. So and I enjoyed it. So but I, I really love business. I love how things work and from a business perspective, especially internationally. And so I, my major was international business at Palm Beach Atlantic University. So there's my connection to Palm Beach Atlantic. And then I got my MBA from the University of Miami. So I went to school for business. Awesome. Very good. So what do you think, um, what would you tell me? Obviously, you see so many of those students today, and I know you guys get a lot of them in through the internship. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you, how do you guide those young people when they come to you to do their internships? I mean, it sounds like a lot of them come in and they do like brand up franchise development. Yeah, everyone starts in franchise development. And that's true for me and my brothers, too. I was in franchise development for multiple spring breaks and multiple summers and after that, too. So everyone comes through franchise development because I think talking to someone over the phone is a lost Mm -hmm. art. Um, It's something that people kind of take for granted. Oh, I'm going to talk to someone. Well, phone sales is very different than being face to face with someone or doing a Zoom because you're not reading body language. You're not seeing things differently, your voice inflection matters dramatically, how you say things, how fast you say things, how slow you say things. So it's a a skill that people don't get. So we always usually start people there and then they branch off from there, not necessarily in a sales role, but it could be in an operations or development role as well. Uh Um, But yeah, typically they start there and each intern needs different things. You know, I think the good part about our business is we are a family run business. And one of our core values is we're a family run company. That's like a family. 
And it's very corny and, you know, beauty pageant to say that, but it's the truth. And so we want to get to know the people that we work with. We want to get to know our interns and we want them to stay. If they don't stay, that's fine. I hope they go to a lot of other Titus Center board members and mm -hmm. their business. You know, that's the yeah. ideal scenario for us. Do you think that your vision for Sinorama in the next, say, five to ten years is in sync with your dad's without you guys talking about it do you think you kind of share the same vision or do you think with that gap in you know where you are age-wise and where he is in his life and you are in yours do you think they kind of automatically align oh i mean we definitely automatically align because we're very similar in a lot of ways now the way that i get to a certain place may be different and the way do i get to his vision may be different than what he's saying or what he would do and what i would do and so mm -hmm. that's where the nuance is a little bit but I, the vision as a whole is pretty simple you know we want really excited passionate franchise owners who are profitable and do really well in our business and continue to grow our brand i mean those are it it may sound easy but those are really the two things that we want to do and so um, how we get there might be a little different. Might, I might be using more technology. He might be using more tough love. But at the end of the day, the vision is the same and the, the end goal is the same. Well, I think I heard loud and clear that technology was definitely an issue. It's not, I wouldn't call it an issue, but it's something that's always evolving and changing. We joke uh, in, the, in the home office that every single person every year asks for a new website and every single person wants to change their point of sale system all the time. And so... Yeah. I think that's just the nature of the world we live in, uh, yeah. but it's it's another investment and it's a big deal every single time. So. Well, I think you guys are razzing your dad about um, his level of knowledge about emailing and uh, and technology <laughs> versus the way you boys can get around the internet and things. So um, I found that. He's done better than I thought. Like he's done much better and has, actually has improved over the years. Um, you know, I remember having a conversation with him about uber when uber became a thing okay and he, he was asking questions like so you're just going to jump in a random guy's car and drive to another place i'm like yeah what do you do with a taxi cab it's the same thing you're jumping in a random guy's car you just have to wave them down the difference is i'm getting it on my cell phone and he's like yeah you know what that's kind of right that makes sense so it, it's just more of a mental thing in a lot of cases for people yeah go ahead elizabeth so I was just going to talk about the give and take between you as you come up and, and, you know, clearly you're, everybody wants to define their own path and be their own person and have their own unique ideas. But when you're in a family relationship and business, there's got to be times where he gives into you and you give into him the voice of experience and age versus the fresh new ideas. How do, how do you all navigate that dynamic? Because not done properly, there could be a lot of tension there. <laughs> oh, sure. No, family-run businesses are the best things and the worst things. I, I've really seen most of the best things, but I've also had friends and other franchise owners who are in uh, family-run businesses that they see the worst part of it. And so, yeah. But the best part about how my dad has set this up is he really gives me the autonomy to lead the brand. Um, and there's been many times where me one-on-one -on -one in a closed-door meeting, he'll tell me, that's a dumb idea. You shouldn't do it but you're the president, you, you make the decision and I'll do it anyway, you know, and sometimes he's right and sometimes he's wrong. And I think that that's the beauty of it is he lets me kind of be me and, and run the brand and he lets me be the president, but he has no filter or he's not shy in telling me if he thinks I'm making a mistake and usually he's right. And so I should listen to him if I was smart because so, usually he is right. 
But, you know, you've got to make your own mistakes sometimes. And I think that in order to listen to your dad, who's this voice of experience, and say, you know what, I don't, I'm not listening to you. I'm going to do it the way I think, is, is showing that he's raised you with a level of confidence that you can make your own decisions and make your own path. And if it is a mistake, you clean it up. And if it's not, you get a little bit of a I told you so moment, right? <laughs> Well, well, that's the, the thing. It's like we don't we don't worry about the war. We win mm-hmm. the battle, and right. so you know we'll we'll game plan and we'll we'll go back and Monday morning quarterback and talk about the war later. But let's win right now. That's the goal mm-hmm. of this. You know, we want to help all the people that we work with and and all of our franchise owners. We owe it to that. So who doesn't matter who's right or wrong. It's just a matter of what's the best way forward. Right. So how about all those family dirt? Did your brothers want to come into the business, or did you have to kind of convince them? You're going to have to ask them exactly why they wanted to come into the business because our stories are all a little different. All three of us went to different colleges. All three of us had a different path. We went in through different brands. I mean, it's, it really is different. My cousins the same way. All three of my cousins came in and did different things. You know, my cousin Brady moved to Australia for a little bit, worked in our Australian office. Um, Shane was in a different business, Austin and Andrew both. So it's, it's all different, but no, I look, we're really close. That's what's yeah. really cool about the family is all, all seven of us, including my dad, all the guys who work in the business are very close. And we, you know, we're all like brothers and we enjoy each other's company and we like similar things. And so yeah. that makes it easier. And then I think my dad has led in a way to set expectations the right way, because what, what happens in family run businesses and what I've seen is that expectations change and people think they're more valuable and they want more things, or this is not mm-hmm. fair. And it's, it's not about that. It's about how do we grow the business and how do we do what's best for the company, the employees, and the franchise owners. And as long as we're focused on that and not on each other, we're going to continue to grow this business and continue to make it even better than it was this last year. So that's what the goal is. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I'll tell you, I've always kind of admired your dad and the way that he handles himself. And obviously, we've had Austin on before. And um, I think that um, he's obviously instilled a lot of his leadership style into all three of you and uh so i think it's awesome you guys have obviously all right you know rise to the occasion and uh everybody that we've talked to that is part of that group the ufg group have been extremely happy with their decisions so i think that that says not only great things about your dad and the leadership but all of you boys and your ability to really you know take on the challenge and take care of the franchisees and all of the partners that you have. So. Yeah, it's, it's 35 years, well, 36 years this year, 37 next year. Uh, my dad started the business. And so he's, look, he's helped me get a head up than I would. I, I wouldn't be president of a company at this point if it wasn't for him and his leadership yeah. and knowledge and training behind it. But it's all about the people. You know, we have some amazing franchise owners. I mean, we had franchise owners fly in for my dad's birthday over the weekend because these are relationships. They're not just business relationships. These are yeah. close relationships. And it's the same with our employees. And that's, you know, it's, again, it's corny to say it's very beauty pageant, but it's, it's true. Yeah. You know, I think I, I want to point, I want to, I want to take a second on that before we, before we wrap up, because one of the topics that I'm going to be talking about down at the Titus Center and that we've talked about, Ray and I, on the show is the difference about uh, between franchises that have that tight-knit family feel mm-hmm. versus some of the bigger brands that get more corporate, right? The bigger you get, the more corporate you are. And mm-hmm. I think that's important for pe- for people who are looking to buy a franchise 
when you go and you visit with a franchisor, when you validate with franchise owners, you know, you need to ask those questions like how, how tight is the group? How do you all get along? You know, do you get to go and meet with the franchisors? Do you have a good relationship? How accessible are they? Because those things to people matter, right? Yes. And, and I think when you are bought out, let's say, you know, you have a big PE firm come in, right? Sometimes those dynamics change. So it's good to hear that though you are a larger company, you still maintain through family connections that yeah. family type environment. Well, and little things we do that not everyone does, like for instance, I do my best to meet with every single Sinorama Discovery Day tour that comes in. I, I Zoom with them. And, and I get the comment all the time is, why is the president meeting with me on Discovery Day tour? And it's like, well, because you're an extension of our brand. You're an extension yeah. of the family. And so I want to at least talk to you and you want to at least talk to me, I would hope. And so yeah. that's, so that's a little thing that we do that goes a long way. So myself, all the brand presidents, they all meet with their brands, discovery day tours or do their best too. I can't say that I've been on every single discovery day tour, but a vast majority of them I have been. So even last night uh, for an Australian discovery day tour, you know, they're, you know, they're blown away. Why are you on, you know, Zoom with me? Well, because you're an extension of our brand and I want you to be successful and I want the brand to be successful and I want to talk to you. So. Well, I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome, AJ. Congratulations to you and obviously to your whole family with United Franchise Group. And we really thank you for your time today and look forward to working with you guys some more in the future. Awesome. Always a pleasure. Thank you both. I appreciate it. Hey, franchise owners, how is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence will get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westbine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westbine with a Y. Hello. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing today? It's been a couple weeks. Karen, I am doing great, man. We got a great interview to do today. I'm so excited. We do. We're just going to keep on talking about the gift that keeps on giving. And I'm excited because I have Del Cranky people joining me today. I don't get this, uh, have this privilege. So um, joining us, and by the way, joining us are Dave Wright. And Shelby, right? Dave is the CEO of the um, Texas Del Carnegie franchise. Shelby Wright is newly appointed general manager. And I've had the privilege of working with these two. Dave, I think it's been over 12 years. And I oh, yeah. uh, was lucky enough. I've been on the franchisor side and the franchisee side. And I've had the opportunity to work with you in both functions. And it's just been a real uh, a real pleasure. And, and, and this, this franchise has the reputation of being one of the top franchises. And you know, very successful in so many ways. So it's it's a pleasure. So so welcome. Glad to hear that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know that. You know, which is great. So 
So, you know, Dave, why don't you, why don't we start with you giving us a little bit about your background because you're a second generation. Yeah. Dale Carnegie. And you have a third generation joining you. And the third I generation do. has like three sons and a daughter-in-law. And so tell us a little bit about your story. Uh, well, yeah, it, it <laughs> happened largely by accident on the rest of the family side. But I remember my dad taking the Dale Carnegie course when I was seven years old. And it was really transformational for him. He really, he changed. And then he was so inspired by it, he ended up joining the Dale Carnegie business. So that's 50 years ago. So for 50 years, he, he got involved in the Dale Carnegie business, and that's changed the trajectory of our entire family. Uh, really amazing. And so growing up in the business, there were a couple of key moments that uh, that made me think, this is what I want to do. I remember he, uh, when I was 12 years old, he looked at me and he said, you know, I wish somebody had told me when I was 12 that I could own my own business. And I thought, huh, okay. And it just there was a little seed that was planted at that point. And he never recruited me, but that's, uh, that seed was planted. And my wife even told, like, like uh, to tell the story that uh, on our first date, that she was informed by me that someday I was going to own a Dale Carnegie business and all of that kind of thing, even though my father had no idea at that point. So it was something that I was just inspired by and uh, loved the business and was intrigued by it and couldn't, couldn't stay away from it. So after college, it took about a year to talk my dad into hiring me. And uh, that's, that's how it started for me. And then I can intro the Shelby portion because I, I, she hates it when I tell this story. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to lead you know it in. Coming, Shelby. <laughs> she knew it was, I, I know she knew. So Shelby was dating my son, Chris who they were uh, dating in college, Shelby came home to meet the parents and I hired her. So that's, uh, and, and I, I just, I love to tell that story too, because I remember saying to Chris, gosh, I really hope that works out for you because uh, she's not going anywhere. Uh, so it'll be really awkward at the Christmas parties and things, you know, I really hope this all works out. So, uh, and I, 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 I like to say I'm not very talented, but the one thing I am talented at is spotting it in others. And Shelby, right from the start, just somebody that really immediately fit the profile of who we, who we need in our business. Shelby, so what, uh, what, what, what did you think? <laughs> oh <my laughs> coming, coming in and, and uh, having, having dinner and, and meeting, and meeting Dave. <laughs> Wow. Well, you know, I came in, right, just being the new girlfriend, nervous to meet her boyfriend's parents, right? And Chris had told me what his parents did. And I knew about Dale Carnegie because I had read How to Win Friends and Influence People. And so I was like, this is so cool. And uh, yeah, I was not expecting to get a job uh, when I showed up. <laughs> but I just fell in love with uh, Dave and Becky's energy and just the passion that they had. And so as I was leaving, you know, they were asking me the normal questions, like, what are you studying in school? And what do you hope to do with that? And I was studying public relations. And they said, well, do you need an internship? And I said, well, actually, I do still need one. And they said, well, come work for us. We'll talk to you about it tomorrow or whatever. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, it was the best um, one of the best decisions I ever made other than marrying their son. Luckily it did work out. Uh, yeah. No awkward uh, Christmas parties. So. That's a good thing. Well, not only did it work out, you now are on, you're two weeks away from delivering your second, right? Your, your second child. 
And, yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's been impressive to see you juggle. I mean, it just from from afar and just seeing you. I mean, yeah. first of all, just going from from an intern to a trainer to to managing a large large account to you know you do sales. You know, the woman of everything. Um, how do you? Uh, any tips you have for for all of us yeah. out there that, and especially women right oh, now, man. that are trying to juggle everything. So when I had my, I have a 15 month old son now. So when I had him uh, last year, you know, your whole world changes when you have a child. And I think balancing work and, and family, I just assumed, oh, it'll be easy, whatever. I just do the same thing I always do. And I was very quickly um, hit with reality that you have to let go of this idea that everything is going to be perfect and balanced all the time because the truth is it's just not and i think if we go in with that mindset of i'm always going to have it all together and i'm going to be spot on on everything and my baby's going to be on this perfect schedule and i'm going to have this perfect schedule it's just so laughable and so i think the biggest advice i could give is just to be okay with it being out of balance, because that's just life. Life is not always in perfect balance. It never really is in perfect balance. And I feel like I'm, I don't know, I'm just living the best dream ever because I have this mom life and I'm about to have another son and I know it'll be a whole new reality, but I just kind of let go of those expectations that I'm going to have it all figured out because I don't. But I have the joy of, you know, I could be on a Zoom call with a client and my son is playing next to me. Or when he was a newborn, he attended many trainings <laughs> and meetings with me. And that's just life and being okay with that. And so I would say let go of those expectations and be okay with uh, the the wild ride that it is being a parent, especially with little ones that are at home with you while you're working um, but it's been uh, the most big, I mean, really the biggest blessing. I couldn't, I can't really complain about it. So, Well, I need to interrupt because Karen and I have this discussion about her eating up all the air in the room so I don't get to talk. So. No, I was, getting ready to, I was getting ready to let you. I was getting ready to let you talk, Terry. <laughs> Whatever, Karen. <laughs> well, I just want to interject a couple of things. Dave brought it up originally. Uh, I read my first Dale Carnegie uh, book 45 years ago, and it changed my life, so. Certainly, there's some symmetry there. Uh, I am I am the Dave in my family, Dave, because uh, you know my daughters run my company now. They sometimes ask me for advice, sometimes ask me not to give advice. Uh, but so we've we've got some symmetry there. I will tell you a funny story though. You told Shelby's story about you hiring her and recognizing the value of her right away. Uh, I'll never forget when my daughters brought their boyfriends home from college the first time. I, told, I took them aside for that dad talk, and I said, listen, don't get excited because you've got nothing to do with the company I own, so don't, don't think you're getting any of this. Let's figure the rest of the life out, and then we can talk about what that looks like. But, uh, Shelby, I want to emphasize uh, with you as well, um, my daughters took their babies. Uh, one of them's got two. One of them's got four, anywhere from uh, two years to nine years, all in a big group. And they took their babies to work with them as well, whether it was to do a training class, a Zoom meeting, or just sleep next to them while they're doing paperwork. And the story you tell is spot on. You know, that's one thing about being a franchisee, a business owner overall, is you do have some flexibility to do that. And your kids grow up a little different than the kids they go to school with, don't they? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, Already, my my son, my firstborn son Oliver, he's attended 
trainer meetings, sales calls. I mean, you can't say no when you've got a cute little baby next to you in a call. So <laughs> that's <business>. probably, <laughs> no, but it's so true. They do grow up different, but I am blessed. I recognize many of my friends have to send their babies to daycare and mm -hmm. I haven't had to. And my husband also is home and he also works in the business part-time. So that's a whole nother story, I'm sure. But um, so I just get to see him grow up and do the work that I fell in love with seven years ago that I still get to do today. So um, it really, um, it's the best of both worlds. You know, Dave, well, I was, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Jerry. Well, I was just going to, you know, one of the reasons they asked me to be part of this uh, process is because I live a life similar to what you guys live. Mm -hmm. And so a question I always have to ask in this situation, I'll ask Dave first and then Shelby, you be thinking. Okay. But so, <laughs> Family businesses are, are great blessings, but they're also very complicated and very difficult sometimes. So, Dave, I want to ask you a little bit. Um, how do you navigate that and make sure, you know, the family continues to be happy and healthy and all that kind of stuff in spite of the fact you may not always agree on how things are going or what direction to go? Well, I think the, the comments in the previous segment are really accurate that we – we really believe that everybody in our organization and our, on our team is, is family, and we, we act that way. In fact, when we recruit, we have to warn people, like, we are going to be in your business. Or, uh, my, my favorite story is when Deandra hurt her back, and my, uh, my wife literally drove over to her house and got her, brought her to our house. Uh, <laughs> and actually, it was funny because Deandra went to the chiropractor. And she said, uh, what, what's going on? Uh, like what, the woman said, what do you, who are you? What do you do? The, the woman who worked there. And she said, uh, well, I'm a corporate trainer. Why do you ask? She said, I don't know. Cause apparently your boss was here and she just made <laughs> sure that everything was lined up and that you were looked after. And, and I, I thought you were like a, a rock star or something. I had no idea. And so the reality is of course she is a rock star to us. But the, the point is that we really, we operate like we're family, uh, and some people literally are family, others figuratively are family, but we, it's <laughs> just, we embrace that as a culture. And so that means the advantage, of course, is you're never going to have anybody more passionate about what we do than a family member, uh, whether oh. they're figuratively or literally. So true. So That's true. spot on. And when you talk about culture, I see uh, Karen's eyes light up and yeah. fireworks going off. And oh, Dave like knows. Yeah. <laughs> Shelby, do you have anything to add to that before I turn it back to my co-host? No, I would agree. I would just say I think that what makes it so successful is that we maybe we over communicate, but I think it's a good thing because when we're having a bad day, when or when we're struggling with something, we're very open and honest mm -hmm. about it. Or when we're excited, we're the first ones to call each other up. I mean, I just went and uh, got to have an ultrasound of my baby and I sent it to my team members. <laughs> like, <laughs> they wanna know what's going on in my life. Like we're super in each other's business, but in the best way. And I think that over communication um, really makes our team really successful that way. Absolutely. You know, I was also thinking, and this is true, I, I've, I've seen it. I've seen you in action, all of you. I've been able to spend time with you with your meetings, and it's just, it's impressive. And, and Dave, you do treat everyone as if they are family, which is, which is just unique. And just your ability to be able to just absolutely attract just great people that are so passionate for this business. Um, what advice would you have for, for franchisees who are thinking about, you know, bringing in that next generation? Uh, maybe, you know, things that you're saying, you know, here are two or three things to keep in mind. 
That's that's really interesting too, because I've seen that done well, and I've seen it not done well. Um, far more often, not done well, frankly, yeah. uh, particularly in our network. I I think the biggest challenge is view the business as an extension of me as a human being. Okay, like I am ready. At some point, I try to I try to recognize this is a business. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get me wrong, this is multi generational, where my heart is in it, but it's going to thrive after I'm gone. And I'm okay with that. In fact, I love that. That's what I want. So I think a lot of, a lot of leaders, particularly business owners, when they start to get to that place where maybe it's time to let the next generation step up, they're like retiring prize fighters, you know, like, I know I got one more good round in me. I can still, I can still whoop them, you know, and it's let it go and, and recognize that the best thing you can do for your family long-term for your family is to, is to see your next generation, not as your kids. That's the hard part. They're not kids. Right. They're competent, effective people that honestly, I have to work really hard to make sure they're loving the business that, so they don't get recruited because they are, <laughs> they are super talented, fantastic people. And uh, I've done everything I could to pour into them so that they can be ready for that next, next step. So it's happening. Uh, but it's it's very important to recognize that now that next generation, if you want to have it stay in the family, you have to let them grow, let them run with it, and make mistakes. Dave, that is uh, both in my peer group of franchisees, but also in people that I coach who are franchisees. That's the number one question I get when there are multiple generations involved: is how did you let it go? How could you, uh, you know, how did you get comfortable allowing your next generation to take off with that and you know, if, if uh, you recognize them for the skills and talents they've got and uh, you've trained them at whatever level you feel comfortable and then you've kind of kicked them out of the nest and they've performed well on their own, it's, it's time to say, I got other things in life to do and, and let's, uh, let's let them. Because I know my next generation is way more uh, technologically competent than I am. They, they actually accept and enjoy all the new technologies where I kind of push back on a lot of it. And that's the future. And frankly, our staff and many of our um, many of our customers are more group than my age group anymore. So I think it's I think what you just touched on is very very positive and very powerful for people in our situation. Absolutely. I want to ask one more question for Shelby, kind of to tie into what what Dave said. So you're in this new role, only a few weeks, right? It's just been announced. And, and, um, yeah. okay, yes, days, exactly, yeah. days. Um, you know, so you're going to be going to, think about this, you're going to be from going to, to peer to, to, to leader, and it's leader within, you know, it's family, right, whether they're a fam- real family, blood flam- family or not, right? And yeah. any thoughts on how you're going to handle that transition, some, some thinking around that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think some of it goes back to what we've already touched on. I have such beautiful relationships with every person that I work with. So I feel like I know them really well. I know their personalities. I know how they communicate. Um, but I think another, and this law, I can embarrass Dave now. I like to, he already embarrassed me. So it's good. But, um, you know, Dave, um, one thing that really spoke to me growing seven years um, was that he always um, was pushing you to be the best version of yourself or a version of yourself you didn't even know existed. And how he did that was by 
really being selfless. And I remember one time he said, well, leadership isn't about you. And that I've always resonated with that, that leadership has nothing to do with you. Because the moment we make leadership about ourselves, we've lost sight of what's important, right? And I think for me, going into this new role is remembering it's not about me, it's about everyone else and how can I pour into them? How can I help them to be successful? Just like Dave has poured into me over the last seven years. So I'm just excited to jump into that. And I think um, that's a piece of advice that I'll carry with me for sure. Can't wait to see your success. I really can't. It's, it's, it's fun, to see, fun to see you, uh, all of you continue to succeed and have such high growth. Jerry, any, any one last question or? <laughs> you know, guys, I just want to commend you because again, it is very difficult, uh, people in Dave's position and my position to let go, uh, people in Shelby's position, my daughter's position to step to the plate and do their thing. I want to commend you guys because you are shining very bright examples of how to make this happen and how to be successful with that. And frankly, your name might come up in my coaching sessions in the future. Examples. <laughs> oh. So just an FYI. Thank you so much for sharing your story with our listeners. It was very powerful. Uh, best of luck to you in the new year, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Karen? Thanks, Dave and Shelby. Pleasure. I appreciate Thank it. Thanks. Thank you. As usual, thank you for joining Pillars of Franchising. We appreciate every single one of you. Um, we want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, the Titus Center for Franchising at Palm Beach Atlantic University. You can find them on the college's website. Also, Franchise Show 247, which can be found at FranchiseShow247.com. And we couldn't do it without our sponsors, and we appreciate their support. Don't forget, we'd love to have call-in guests. Our number to call in is 323-580-5755, 323-580-5755. If you have questions for our guests or for any of our million-dollar mentors, we welcome you to call in at any time on the show. We will do our very best to answer your calls. Stay tuned. More coming up. Welcome, Laura. It's been a while since I've gotten to chat with you. I know. I've been on the road a little bit visiting my uh, in-laws in Texas. And, you know, we've just been catching up. So I'm glad to be back. Yeah. And what a great topic for us to discuss today, succession planning and franchising. Yeah. So much of my work, you know, really centers around that. And um, to quote another, you know, thinker, um, you know, like a Dale Carnegie type, right? You know, we have to begin with the end in mind, right? Right. Our, our friend, Mr. Covey. Um, so, you know, I really encourage franchisees to do that because if they, you know, it's, it feels like a long time, right? A 10-year franchise term, even sure. a seven-year franchise term, um, certainly a 20-year term, right? Those are <laughs> more rare nowadays, but um, those feel like a really long time, and it's hard for most people to think that far ahead in, in anything in life, yeah. much less, you know, what's potentially a new business uh, when they've never even had a business Right. And do you have those conversations right at the initial discussion point? I, yeah, you know, I will try and push them a little bit to at least think about, you know, what are, what's going to affect you at the time that you need to transfer your franchise agreement. Um, okay. You know, we don't know what that's going to look like, but you know, the best case scenario is that you're going to sell your business, right? right. Um, and so, you know, you need to think about, okay, what are the transfer fees? How much approval? Um, the, you know, like what are the conditions for approval uh, that the franchisor has of your buyer, the transferee? Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, in some franchise systems, this is this is more rare, but I have seen it lately. Um, there's you know provisions in there saying that the if you sell, if you transfer, you know, you stay liable for your buyer. Yeah, yeah. and those are they're they're learning. Yeah, they're learning from the landlords. Um, the landlords have this where. In leases, in commercial leases, it is almost uniformly the case nowadays that if you assign your lease, even if the landlord approved the, the new person, right, mm-hmm. the new occupant beforehand, um, you almost always stay liable for you that. Mean so I think, you mean if you sublet your lease? In no, I mean if you assign your lease. I mean if you assign your lease or you sublet. I have, I'm on, I have a client right now who is doing a massage-based franchise. I helped her review her FDD. Uh, we did a negotiated addendum. We're now doing her lease for property, and we are we are on B5. <laughs> and the big issue that we keep fighting about is the the successor liability, right? That she thinks, mm-hmm. you know, fairly in my opinion, um, that if the landlord has gone through and approved, you know, the the assignee doesn't want to be liable for that person after the assignment happens, but. I digress. We could we could talk about landlords on another call. We're we're yeah. talking about um, you know we're talking about succession planning, and so it is important to think about those things. There are a lot of things at the beginning of the relationship, right? At the beginning of the lease negotiation, at the beginning of the franchise agreement, the beginning sure. of you know whatever contract you have to sign um, that will dictate certain things that will affect you when you go to sell later. Sure. So let's talk about. Um... Some of the things, let's say you are in a 10-year agreement with a franchise or and your kids become of age and maybe you get sick or something and you want to be able to turn the franchise over to them. Are there provisions for that that you need to put in or is that something, Is it, how do you go about that? Is that something that's allowed for with most franchise systems? You know, I would say that that can vary. Um, historically, I would have said that a lot of franchises, you know, and they may still do it off the books, but contractually, um, you know, right now it's going to say that whoever whoever takes over, you know, the transferee has to qualify, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it's going to say black and white. If if you any of the kids have had any kind of involvement with the business, that's a mm-hmm. big helpful factor um, okay. that the franchisor can look at and say, oh, yeah you know, they've been, you know, running the store part-time or they've been, you know, coaching. They've been, whatever the type of business is, you know, they've been involved. Um, if it's someone who, you know, doesn't know really anything about it and they're they're kind of doing it to help their family, right? You know, because the dad is, the mom is sick. Right. Um, that can be a more challenging transfer, you know, unless it's temporary. Unless it's temporary, mm-hmm. okay, maybe, maybe a franchisor goes with that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, and that's interesting because I know Jerry has had a situation and, and certainly I've seen situations where indeed, you know, somebody's five years into a 10 year term or they're two years into a 10 year term and illness strikes or there's an accident or something happens. And, you know, I don't know. And that's kind of why I'm asking, you know, are you allowed to let your family do it? Do you need to ask for mm-hmm. that ahead of time? Like, how do I ensure like I'm coming up in four years to renew. Well, one one of the best things that any new franchisee can do um, is to, if they're married, to have their spouse also attend the initial training. 
right? Mm -hmm. Even if the spouse doesn't think at this time that they are going to be involved in the business, um, at least that way, you know, if something like this does happen, the spouse has had initial training. You know, they may need to refresh. They may, there may have been some changes to the model that they need to come up to speed on, but this is not, you know, a completely new (laughs) thing for them, right? They're not learning to speak French. Right, um, right, they, right. they already took, you know, immersion French for, you know, two weeks and, and they can pull it back up basically. But that's, that's one of the, the most important things. Um, you know, in smaller systems, there may be room to negotiate. We have successfully negotiated to add verbiage, you know, to say that, um, you know, transfers to, um, you know, blood relatives, children, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, are pre-approved. You know, okay. so that is something that you could ask for. Uh, typically, when you get into larger systems, you know, they're not really negotiating even for things that, you know, kind of like that. They will do it on a case-by-case basis, potentially. But, you know, there is a lot of intergenerational, you know, franchisees sure. right now. You know, people yeah. doing the businesses with with the understanding that, you know, father-daughter, you know, mother-daughter, they're going to start. And then eventually the parent is, is going to want to retire. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and well, that's really why we're having this conversation, right? Is to figure mm-hmm. out how do you navigate that. Right. So if you can begin with, um, you know, with the the younger generation in the business, you know, at least to some extent, maybe it's not a hundred percent every single day, yeah. but having them involved from the beginning, it's much easier for the franchisor to accept it. It's much mm-hmm. easier uh, from a business planning, a business structuring perspective because they're already going to be on all of the documents, right? They're going to be able, you know, hopefully to run the business if something happens, right? They could go to the bank. They could, you know, do things for the business that need to get done. So when I incorporated, would I have provided my kids are over 18, right? (laughs) Should I have put them on the incorporation so that when my corporation purchased my franchise, they were you involved. can. Um, I mean, that would be the easiest thing is to have them on there, like from the get go. Mm-hmm. But you know, you don't want to do it if they're not interested. You know, we don't want to do it just like maybe they'll do it because yeah. what's going to happen with most franchises is that some will say if you have any ownership interest, others will say if you have even a ten percent ownership interest, right? It's quite low. Yeah. Um, you now become a personal guarantor of uh-huh. all of the franchise obligations. So. The person, you know, who is getting put on there, um, they need to know that <laughs> what's going on, right? They have just yeah. taken on a liability potentially if they yeah. were to be not unsuccessful. And then also, you know, there's just a lot of moving parts there. I wouldn't do it just, you know, for the sake of doing it. Um, okay. It really has to be something that's thought through from an estate planning, from, you know, gift planning okay. perspective. Great. Okay. Mm-hmm. So talk to your attorney when you get started. <laughs> As your kids get older, keep a close watch on what's happening. Keep them slightly mm-hmm. involved in your business, right? And then mm-hmm. as things tend to evolve and they show interest, perhaps wanting to get involved more, then continue to talk to your estate planner and figure out how to best integrate right. them into the business. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, you know, and, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of different creative ways. Um, you know, okay. lots of ways to skin a cat. Awesome. So, what? you know, don't, don't think that just because, you know, you're not sure right now, you know, that you're, you know, that's why you have advisors, right? The advisors right. are there to help you. So you should Excellent. use them. 
Well, I appreciate it. It's a very timely discussion for us to have because I know as people are listening and they're like, oh, yeah, well, that's a great, great point. I should really be thinking about that. You know, obviously, you always need to have a, a legal partner in that. So thank you very much for taking time to discuss that with us. And as you know, we're going to be having some more good topics thrown your way for you to bring to the table on our next episode. So thank you so much. Love the, love the, you know, intergenerational transfers, you know, those are such a, they're such a fun um, part of the franchise industry. So thank awesome. you. Thank you so much, Laura. Christmas is right around the corner. What's in your stocking? A lump of coal or a new franchise? Merry Christmas and a happy new year to everyone out there. You know where to find a new franchise, don't you? Colors of franchising. All right, Ray, it's time for segment three of Pillars Pillar with Ray, selecting the right opportunity. You ready to you ready to go on segment three? Yes. Shoot. Well, give me the question. Don't shoot me. All right, yeah, no. Yeah, guns, no. This is franchise buying, not and shooting. All right. So as we've established uh, in past, in past, that it's a work on the business, not in the business. It's a what I call a, a pillar, a the pillar viewpoint of working in, in the uh, current job while building the um, franchise, as well as a, a Jerry Acres viewpoint of revenue. Uh, diversification for retirement so the pillar viewpoint so my first my next question becomes is as a buyer this is a process of buying it um more complex than a house even um but even with a house i know i'm going to get a, a real estate agent i'm going to get a the uh, home inspector who killed one buy of mine as well as others um, in buying a franchise, who should I expect to bring in to this process and when? When you say bring in, I assume you mean who you should be consulting? Yes. Okay. Would, bring in. I, I, I would definitely start with someone who has some entrepreneurial background or knowledge. I think that would be the best place to start. Then that person would probably say, okay, you need to uh, you know, definitely uh, discuss with that person what type of franchise you're buying and what the, what the possible costs are going to be. And then you need to involve an attorney to look over any contracts. And probably before you get to that point, though, you need an accountant, someone who's going to look over. If you're not a numbers person, especially, if you can't see and, and visualize what what the uh, what the numbers should be, uh, then you should probably hire somebody who can visualize that. You know, because you know, and you've got to look beyond just the actual numbers, uh, because basically. Uh, if, if, if it's a brand new franchise, the franchise is going to pretty much lay it out for you. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if it's a used, if, if it's not used, but you know what I mean, uh, an existing franchise, uh, 
which is the basis of this series. Yeah, um, yeah. Existing one. It'd probably be more advantageous to hire someone who is familiar with the franchise accounting. So they see, especially the things you need to know is what's it doing now, but most important, what is the potential? Right, and we covered the last segment. Yeah, we covered that with the, the last segment, but. That, is, of course, is very important because you need to know you're not going to buy something that's just going to plot along. You know, if it's barely uh, providing an existence for the the original owner and, and that's why they're getting rid of it, then definitely you want to see what the potential is. All right. So, so one thing I want to go back to what you said, I, I and we've talked about we're going to be getting an accountant slash bookkeeper on that's familiar with franchises. And, and we've already reached out to one of our past uh, legal guests to, to be on. Um, that first person, though, you mentioned, it sounded like you were talking about a entrepreneurial coach. Um, is that who you meant? Or does the that uh, mentoring person, whatever that, if you're going to call it a coach, should they be a franchise coach? Uh, like Kristen used when she bought her Molly Maid is so. In other words, what I want to make sure I'm understanding is whether it's there. They should have franchise experience. It would be definitely helpful if they have franchise experience, but business experience is is what you're looking for. And of course, a franchise is a business. Uh, I I think it's pretty important, especially at the very beginning to uh, consult with someone. And, and of course, this is what we do on the show, you know, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'd be happy to talk to anybody and you may get an answer that, that basically you don't like. You, we may say, well, you know, maybe a franchise is not right for you. <laughs> and, uh, or, you know, depending on our conversation, we may say, Hey, we've got several areas uh, several verticals that we think that you would be interested in. You know, we, we could talk to you about those. So I'm, I, so I guess what I'm hearing you're answering my question as is that um, you want somebody with experience in, as we do, as Kristen and you and others do, and, and mm-hmm. uh, we have the FBA connection literally you're telling me is that that's somebody i should be talking to yeah oh definitely yeah all right this is the very beginning though i'm talking about you know you know in, in my case and i think i i know i've mentioned this on the show my father was always telling me you know he was an entrepreneur uh in the restaurant and tavern business and uh he was always telling me that you need to be in business. You need to be in business. And I always said, sure, dad. Yeah, you're right. You know, I'm, I ended up working for a lot of different companies. Uh, but at the, uh, at the age of 55, I, it clicked what he was saying. <laughs> and I, that's how I ended up here now. And, and I know after running small businesses for, Dear God, the better part of 20 years. <laughs> I understand a bit about that. So it's all good. So 
All right. So what I'm hearing is, is that especially for my next question, which we'll deal with next week, um, where do I uh, find franchises for sale? It seems to be wrapped up in that same, there's that same potential intersection of answer of uh, somebody like Kristen. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Any other final wisdom you want to impart to our listeners, Mr. Pillar of Pillars? Absolutely. Enjoy your time. Enjoy the holidays. And think about it before you jump. Good evening here at Pillars of Franchising. We want to remind you that we are a full-service consulting firm. And to Ray's point, when you think you're getting ready to buy a franchise, please reach out to us here with our million-dollar mentorship team. We are here to help you guide, find resources, find funding, answer the true questions that help determine not only whether a franchise is right for you, but which one and where you're going to find funding. So, again, visit us at www.pillarsoffranchising.com, and you'll see a pop-up window that says, Your Dream Starts Here. Simply fill out the form, and we'd be happy to get in touch with you and help you explore the franchise options available. We want to thank you all for joining us on the show today with our guest, AJ Titus of United Franchise Group in Sinorama. Big thank you as well to our Dale Carnegie duo, David Wright and Shelby Wright. Please be sure to like, share, and comment on this episode. Thank you, Ray Pillar, Jerry Akers, our million dollars million dollar mentors, excuse me, Fred McMurray and Elizabeth Dunham, our producers. I am Kristen Shalmetsi, and together we are your resource for franchising success. This has been another episode of Pillars of Franchising, and remember, the dream starts here. Have a great week. Thank <laughs> you.